His answer comes like a bombshell to his audience. Not only is he taking this ancient prophecy that all of them knew by heart to apply it to himself, but it also means that the promised Messiah is literally right around the corner. Last episode, we found out that the Logos, the Word made flesh, is Jesus Christ and discovered the incredible gift he bestows on humanity, the gift of grace. We also discover that he brings a revelation of God that is greater than anything ever seen. This time, we're going to mix it up a little more directly with John the Baptist, as well as the religious leaders of his day. This is Danny, and I invite you to join me as we read the Gospel of John. Then we'll dissect the text and hopefully make it a little easier to understand. Today's selection is from John 1, verses 19 through 28. And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed, and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then, art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Esaias. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou not be the Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is, who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latch it, I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethabara beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. Verse 19, and this is the record of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who art thou? In this context, uh, when it says Jews, it's referring to the religious leaders. And when it talks about the priests and Levites, the Levites are of the tribe of Levi, and their job in Israel was to teach the Torah to all the people. And the priests are specific families from the Levites whose responsibilities include service in the temple, taking care of the offerings and sacrifices. One interesting side note that perhaps gives us a little context as well is that John the Baptist is actually a Levite and is actually from a priestly family. His father was Zechariah, who in Luke we see offering an offering of incense. So John the Baptist is a very extraordinary man, and he's very outspoken, and they're trying to figure out if he's legit or not. As the teachers of Israel, it is their job to see if his teachings are consistent with the Torah or if he's a false prophet. They have to know. And to some degree, there's also a power structure that's feeling threatened if the people think that this wild man in the desert is indeed the promised Messiah. Verse 20, and he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And there you have it in typical John the Baptizer fashion, straight to the point. Nope, not the Christ. Next question. Verse 21, and they asked him, what then? Art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Now Elias in the King James is more commonly known as Elijah. And Jewish folklore has it that Elijah the prophet will someday return. In fact, at the Jewish Seder at Passover, it's traditional to set out an empty chair in case Elijah comes to join them. 
He's a very important prophet in the Old Testament and figures prominently among the Old Testament men of God. But John does not see himself as the fulfillment of that prophecy, even though Christ suggests in a different passage that he is. Matthew eleven fourteen. if you're curious. Then they asked him, Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Now, the prophet is a reference to Deuteronomy 18, 15. This is Moses at the end of his life. And he prophesies, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen, you shall listen to him. In the Old Testament, there are dozens, if not hundreds of prophets, some who write, some who don't, some who are named, some who are not, some of them very important, like Elijah that we just mentioned. But there is nobody in the same category as Moses. Moses is used by God to bring an entire revelation of the law an entire system for sacrifices, for dealing with sin, uh, for teaching the law of God. There is no other prophet that rises to that level. So that is still in the minds of Israel in the future. So they ask him, are you going to be the prophet? John the Baptist says, no, not him either. Verse 22, then said they unto him, who art thou that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? In other words, who do you think you are, man? Remember what we said earlier about witness and the importance of establishing John's legitimacy. Also, their job as the Levites and the teachers of Israel. Who is this guy? Verse 23, he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Esaias. Here, John pulls out a 700-year-old prophecy from Isaiah that he believes is his singular role, preparing the way for the coming Messiah of Israel. It's from Isaiah 40, verse 3. His answer comes like a bombshell to his audience. Not only is he taking this ancient prophecy that all of them knew by heart to apply it to himself, but it also means that the promised Messiah, whom Israel has been waiting for for centuries and centuries, is literally right around the corner. Verse 24. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. Now, the Jewish religious world was divided into many different sects, kind of like the denominations in the church nowadays, Baptist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, or if we're going to look at the Roman Catholic monastic orders, you've got Jesuit, Benedictine, Trappist, each with their own emphasis. The Pharisees are particularly strict in their lifestyle. They seek to maintain personal holiness and allow the Torah to guide every thought, every action. It's generally understood that the Pharisees had an encyclopedic knowledge of the Torah and had huge swaths of it memorized word for word. They're very important in the Gospels, and they are not religious lightweights. So the things that John the Baptist is saying are not being lost on them. Verse 25, and they asked him and said unto him, why baptizest thou then if thou not be the Christ or Elias or the prophet? In other words, who are you to institute a new religious rite? Verse 26, John answered them saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. And verse 27, he it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latch it, I am not worthy to unloose. This is nothing, guys. The next act is going to blow this away. You're focusing on the wrong things. This is consistent with his reference from Isaiah's prophecy, 
that essentially he's just the hype man for the Messiah. The next act, the Logos, the Christ, is still unknown to the Jewish people. That's kind of amazing considering their religious preparation, but he had not yet chosen to reveal himself. And John is laser-focused on the coming Messiah. He doesn't even answer why he's baptizing with water. He just springboards off of that question to talk about Jesus. Verse 28, these things were done in Bethabara beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. Bethabara is also known as Bethany. The Jordan is the river that runs south from the Sea of Galilee to the Dead Sea, and it's very symbolic. In the Old Testament, it was crossed by Israel after the Exodus as they're beginning the conquest of Canaan. And it was supernaturally stopped by the power of God, very much like the more famous Red Sea event with Moses. But also Jordan is stopped by God so that the people could cross on foot. Some people view that as a symbol like baptism because they passed through the water, through the river Jordan. And 900 years before John the Baptist, there was a Syrian general named Naaman who is supernaturally healed of leprosy at the command of the prophet Elisha in the Jordan River in an act very similar to baptism. This is in 2 Kings 5, if you're curious. Naaman is cleansed of leprosy, and now people are going to John to be symbolically cleansed of their sins. So the location is very significant. Well, that's probably a good place to end today's reading. Thanks for joining me. Tune in again next week as we work through the next segment of John chapter 1 to see how John the Baptist finally introduces Christ in person. To close, here's a benediction from Paul's letter to the Colossians. Chapter 3, verse 15, from the English Standard Version. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful.